No, I can't. What I can't. I am not a strategic investor, but my <laughs> portfolio is booming. All uh, right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I'm your host, William, but with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation. Feliz Navidad y Prospero Años. Felicidad. Uh, here we are. This is the Christmas edition with a stocking full of trades. Uh, so this is our last cast before Jesus' birthday uh, on Wednesday. We are going to discuss the trade deadline because people can trade now. I don't think a trade has been done. Oh, by the way, this is a weekly Nets podcast. Mm. Uh, We discuss all things Nets Nation, but primarily news about our injured players. Um, We have a lot to get to this week. Don't we, Simon? Yes, we do. Yes. Are you texting someone? Uh, this composing is re- an email? related to oh, the getting tickets. ticket tonight. So I, I'm good. I'm good. From that guy? Yeah. Oh, great. Fantastic news. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are going to the game. There is a game against a league worst, or if not worst, uh, right there at the bottom, Atlanta Hawks. Simon, I know, is nervous. I am brilliantly <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> um, Nets are 15 and 13, Simon. Seventh place in the East. We Mm -hmm. remain steadfastly seventh. We're up three games on a flailing Orlando Magic. They just can't win. They cannot put it together. Vucevic is back, and yet that hasn't been the shot in the that they need to get this thing going. We have, since we last spoke on this podcast, a tough loss to a very, very bad Spurs team, a close come from behind against an even worse Pelicans team, Mm -hmm. and a huge W against the Philadelphia 76ers. Simon, you were at the game. You witnessed this probably uh, best W of the season, except maybe that Boston game. Yeah. Yeah. what was it like to be there? What's your takeaway? Oh, it was a treat. Seth and I were there. Wish you could have been. Um, good buddy. Um, it was very good. Embiid was not there. We all know how much, how valuable Embiid is generally to that team and specifically against the Nets, but they still have a very talented roster. Um, and we completely dominated them from, from basically start to finish. The stands were full, as they always are, with Philly fans. Mm-hmm. But honestly, past you know the, the early going of the game, you wouldn't even really notice. Right. Uh, because there was just nothing for them to cheer about. The highlight was the Spencer Dinwiddie dunk over poor Tobias Harris, um, who I just want to say right now, um, I was wrong to think that he deserves a max contract. Um <laughs> And uh, that got the the crowd going and the bench. Uh, Kevin Durant was like, I, they could have called a technical on him if they had wanted to because he was so far out uh, on the court after that dunk. Um, and uh, I think uh, Coach has uh, dragged Claire <laughs> to the door. Right. He can't open the, the door. Husk oh, that once was a living, <laughs> breathing person. Uh, Coach is back. All right, so it was a it was a big, proud, loud win. Yeah. Oh, thanks for taking this collar off. Uh, we are now joined with a couple other guests on the podcast, though I don't think they're going to make much of a contribution. Oh, Claire, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, Claire, Claire, sweetie. 
Uh, all right. So, Simon, now that we've discussed the Sixers win, is mm-hmm. that you got you you said your piece? Yes, I know thank you, you. I know you needed a mo on that. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the apex folk of, folks of the year. Yeah. So we're gonna go to Katie's corner, aka mm. injury row, aka an ever expanding list of traumas suffered by <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets basketball team. Uh, Simon, we lost our bulldog, a guy that was quickly making a case for crowd favorite. David Nwaba went down with a season-ending Achilles tear, but don't worry, Nwaba, if Kevin Durant is any indication, you can come back 100% from this thing. (laughs) Um, I hope to follow David Nwaba's recovery as closely as we followed KD, but um, it is getting hard. It does suck. He was a great player. He was a great addition to the team, and... They're currently now in negotiations to either get an injury exception so we can add another player to this team or, more hilariously, a thing I had never heard of, yeah. the hardship exception, yeah. which is just like a very sort of Victorian term for what's going on. <laughs> it's just like if enough of your players have tuberculosis, then you can <laughs> you can get on the hardship exception plan. But basically what it means is you have four players who are so badly and so... Um, sustainably injured mm-hmm. that uh, that you can get another player on your team. Right. With uh, a 16th, 16th roster, yeah, spot. Right. So well, what do you think is going to happen? Are we going to get another guy on the team? Uh, I don't know. Well, I know that we've applied for um, the, the um, injured player exception. exception. The issue there is, as I understand it, it's not enough to cover a, a vet minimum contract, right. which one question, why? But also, right. <laughs> um, I, that's interesting. So it seems to me that unless we get that hardship exception... Um, We're just going to be able to make Henry Ellenson or something, someone like that right. uh, a full-timer on the team. Right. Um, so... Or maybe Lawawu TLC. TLC, yeah. Um... Who I liked in the Philadelphia game, but since has played more like a two-way French NBA right. player. Right, right, right. Um, so let's let's move from one injury to another. Kyrie's corner. <laughs> okay. Jalen Brown says it's not all Kyrie's fault. Yeah. How nice. <laughs> uh, I I don't think anyone said it was all his fault. <laughs> That would be preposterous. <laughs> no, but then Bill, then he goes on to say that you know it was the coaches and the and the you know um, front office's fault for for putting all these players together and and you know not enough mouth too many mouths for not enough uh, basketball food. Right. So I think more interesting than whether or not he was wrong or not wrong are the comments made by one Zach Lowe, and we've. <laughs> We've communicated by email. I've made my uh, opinions clear on this, but I think it's worth discussing here. Uh-huh. So Zach Lowe is on Bill Simmons' podcast, or the other way around. Bill Simmons was on Zach Lowe's podcast. And Zach Lowe, who is a much more measured Kyrie Irving um, commenter than Bill Simmons, who is just pure Bostonian ire, yeah. um, says that... It's no longer a hot take to wonder why teams do better with Kyrie Irving. 
So he says that this is now... Or without the, Kyrie Irving. Without, sorry, without Kyrie Irving. Uh, this is now year three of this happening, um, where at the very least, teams lose him and they do not noticeably diminish. Mm. So three years ago, you had Boston when he went down. A team of young, fairly inexperienced players led that team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, last season when he was injured, their record was not in any way, because of course he was inevitably injured a great deal, um, was, was not by any measure worse than it was when he was on the court. And this year in Brooklyn, um, having him, we actually had a significantly worse record with him than we have without him. Um, So I think it's important to reiterate this is not Zach Lowe saying that Kyrie Irving makes teams worse, but it very much, uh, there is a growing body of evidence to suggest that not having him on the team is not a bad thing these last three seasons anyway. Mm. And I would say a rebuttal to that could be the Cleveland years and how the team had zero chance against the Warriors when Kyrie Irving was sitting out as he inevitably would because of his inevitable injuries, um, how they had zero chance without him. Yeah. And would have likely had a better chance with him. But what that makes me think is that Kyrie Irving is an extremely valuable part of a team if, and this is a massive conditional thing, if he is not the number one guy. Right. So in Boston and Brooklyn, he was the number one guy. And when he went down, his team either performed no worse or better without him. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Cleveland, when he was clear number two to LeBron, his team would do worse without him. So perhaps, and this is not a knock, Kyrie is just not the number one guy on a team and shouldn't be thought of as the number one guy on a team, as instead a great, spectacular number two guy on a team. Yeah, so I think that um, that that is fine. I mean, I, 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 I think that that's a perfectly defensible point and also doesn't necessarily spell doom for this Nets franchise, but it would mean that um, Kevin Durant has to come back and be better than Kyrie. Um, but for the Nets plan to really work, that has to be true anyway. Right. Um, but I also just feel like folks who feel like just, just talking about this season, if you do believe that Kyrie Irving doesn't help this current iteration of the team win, um, which I'm not entirely convinced of, um, what you are saying, and I know you'd be happy to assert this, but I just hope that people who are saying this understand this. What you're saying is the Nets, whether they have Kyrie Irving or not, are barely a playoff team because we have been playing a ton of terrible teams. We've had three or maybe four good wins. They've all been at home, but mostly it's just been beating crap teams and we've lost to plenty of bad teams. We just lost to the Spurs, for example. Um, right. And the Hornets. And the Grizzlies. Uh, um, right. We, we, yeah. Um, so if you think that it's just, you know, add a Kyrie, don't add a Kyrie, who cares? Uh, you are in for pretty underwhelming um, season. Right. But, I mean, underwhelming. The East is massively underwhelming. It's a very bad conference. And we are going to be in contention as an underwhelming team for a playoff spot. Yeah, we'll be in contention for a pl- playoff spot. But, again, I I don't think that 
we will be seven. I think we will be like on the outside looking in. This 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 team is currently constructed cannot score. We rely on keeping teams to under one hundred points, which maybe you can do against a uh, Pelicans team or or something like that. But I don't have any faith in this team, especially without Nawaba, um, who is really coming into his own, playing the best basketball of his career. Um, the def like. That's a, a quite a tall task to ask of this Nets team, which does not have, you know, they have like hardworking players, but they don't exactly have many like beasts on defense, except even Nawaba. Yeah, no, no, no. I think uh, I think we're really gonna have to go in for a Shumpert-like specialist if we can get another player on this team. Um, obviously, we can't get him if we get the injury exception, sadly. Um, all right, final stop in injury row. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karis Levert, Levert has played nine games. Kyrie has played 11 games. Do you think either of them plays over 50 games this season? Here's my prediction, Bill. I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go positive on Karis LeVert, and I'm going to go negative on Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving will not play 50 games. I do think Karis LeVert will play 50 games. It, um, so you think that Karis will likely come back first? Yes. I don't see any signs that Kyrie Irving is coming to play back. I, I have been optimistic um, a couple of times, and I will never do that again with Kyrie. <laughs> I, I will always assume that he is not going to play. All right. What do you um, think? Yeah, I I guess Karras is the more likely candidate for that, uh, and we cannot get him back fast enough, honestly. Um, let's go to Stat Station. I have a bunch more questions for you this podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so get ready, folks. Okay. Uh, Stat Station, this is very brief. Okay. Mercifully brief. Great. Two interesting team stats I want that I just noticed on the sort of splash homepage of NBA.com. Okay. Nets are currently fourth in the entire NBA in the percent of points in the paint. Oh. We get 46.7% of our points in the paint, which is somewhat surprising to me since we are such an analytically driven team and that tends to create teams that shoot a lot of threes and we are a team that shoots a massive number of threes um we just have not have not connected on a lot of those threes you know it's not helped by having got two guys i think on the team who average uh, worse than 20% from Three in Pinson and Musa. Right. And the other thing is, like, clearly we don't have a um, a Kyrie Irving-like person who could suck the defense in, who makes it impossible to, to stay at home with shooters. Um, so they are running us off the line, and we're shooting fewer threes, and when we do, they're contested. Yeah. Uh, next one, we are tied for third in the entire NBA in mm. clutch wins. Ooh, yeah. 11. Um, 11 is a lot of clutch games to have won uh, when we've only played 28 games. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it suggests that, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's better than losing um, these clutch games. But it also means that when we're getting W's, it is a tight, anxiety-ridden affair. Yeah. Uh, but it's also a huge difference from last year and the previous year when we had historically awful um, clutch win percentages. Yeah, though, I mean, if, if when we turned it around, um, it got much better. Yeah, last uh, season. But, right, but right. yeah, when we were 8-18, eight and 18, it was like, pretty much all, like, all of those 18 losses were just squandered sh- shitbox uh, yes. games. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alright, let's get to trades, because that's what people... Ooh, are... I, have, I have a quick stat for you. Oh, you ready? Great, yes. Just this is a this is a quick daddy, and this uh, gets to we 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 have talked about um, over the years Kenny Atkinson's um, ATOs. ATOs. Now this year, uh, Brooklyn is scoring one point one five points per possession after timeouts. That's good for seventh best in nice. the NBA. Nice, Kenny. So yeah, he's he's getting better. Uh, so that means that we have to stop complaining and and like. Uh, Tearing our hair out whenever it goes to timeout. Um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of other things to be upset about, Kenny. Although he seems to also be relenting on putting his starters back in. Uh-huh. Um, like the last two games against San Antonio and against uh, the Pelicans, like he just like yanked the emergency cord right. pretty early <laughs> in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, it's, it can't be an easy thing for a competitive guy to watch as whatever semblance of a lead you had just evaporates instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You ready for Trade Machine? So this yeah. is uh, – trade season has just begun. We are going to speculate about potential trades the Nets could get involved in. Before we do that, Simon – what is your gut saying? Because I trust your gut. Oh, thanks, Bill. Are we are we going to make a trade? I think that we will make some marginal, relatively inconsequential trade. But can I t- can I tell you what I'm feeling? Okay, because <laughs> I trust your gut. Okay, what do you think? Now that I've heard you out and cut you off. <laughs> May I speak finally? Can I just quickly, yes, quickly yeah, yeah, finish yeah. that thought? Uh, <laughs> but good perception. Right. Um, uh, but I do think that um, the, the the one exception to that is: are, are we going to pay Joe Harris what will amount to effectively thirty million dollars a year or so? Right. Um, Zach Lowe has said uh, he's heard that. Um, he could be making double what he's making now, which is about seven or eight million dollars. And right. then with the luxury tax, it's I think it's like something like a dollar for every mm-hmm. dollar that you're over, okay. and so it, effectively it's about thirty million to keep you. Wow, yeah, uh, that is going to factor in as a big theme in the trades I have proposed. Uh-huh. And by the way, the way we did this was it has to pass the ESPN trade machine. Um, so I think that we are going to make a trade, and I think it might be a bigger trade than either of us are expecting. Whoa. And do you want to know what my reasoning for that is? Yes. We're not hearing anything about <laughs> trades. Like, uh, on any of the national shows, none of them, <laughs> you know, I, all of them are doing their trade analysis right now. Who's going to make moves? Who's who's available? And there hasn't been a single mention of Brooklyn. And I feel like the tell of Sean Marks is... <laughs> 
utter silence. <laughs> and when there is complete silence, all of a sudden something happens. Um, and I think it's interesting, even on Zach Lowe's um, and Woj's like trade preview show, Zach Lowe, who had previously earlier in the season said mm. of all teams he thinks Brooklyn is most primed to make a big trade, did not so much, much as mention the Nets in a trade. And I think he's really close to this organization. And if he's told, like, you know, you get this stuff because we, you know, we trust you. Don't say a fucking thing about this right now. And I think he might be deliberately staying quiet. Now, that is, of course, the ultimate in conspiratorial thinking. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes silence is just silence because nothing's happening. Sure. Uh, But I would like to read that into it. Yeah, okay. All right, so uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with my first one. Okay. All right. This. So I have a, a little, a cute little name for each of my uh, my trades. Okay. This one is lights, cameras, action. Okay. <laughs> uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> this is another Spencer trade. <laughs> so the guy. I mean, it's uh, so okay. Before we go any further into my lights, cameras, action mm-hmm. trade. It should be mentioned there aren't a lot of guys uh, who trading makes a lot of sense because so many p- players don't make any money. Like Nick Claxton, Jared Allen don't make any money. Uh, Rodion, uh, Musha don't make any money. So if we're talking about a substantial trade, you're going to need a guy like Spencer or Joe Harris or Torian Prince or Garrett Temple. And even Torian Prince this year is not making any money. But it's it's uh, the poison pill thing. He's like It's like counts as $13 million or something in Got trade. It. So Spencer Spencer Dinwiddie, my first lights camera action. Spencer Dinwiddie to the Los Angeles Lakers. Whoa. For Kyle Kuzma mm-hmm. and Contavious Caldwell Pope, a guy that we did show interest in two years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, so I can't imagine that. <laughs> let me give you my yeah, logic yeah, yeah. for both sides of this. Yeah. For the for the Nets, we get a young four, a position mm-hmm. of a huge amount of need, who could hopefully stretch the four, plus a serviceable three and D player. Right? Yeah. In Contavious Caldwell Pope. Uh-huh. I mean, he's starting for the best team in the NBA right now, our second best team. Uh-huh. Um, and the logic for the Lakers is that Kuzma is uh, plays a position that both LeBron and Anthony Davis play. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they their backup point guard right now is... Rajan Rondo, who right. had a spectacularly bad game against the Bucks, and so LeBron is essentially having to play point for them. But having a credible scoring threat at point guard would be a huge boon for this team. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that would be the best deal they could get for Kuzma because I don't know where Kuzma's valued at. But Spencer surely has never been valued higher, which is why this is a semi-plausible trade. To me. Oh yeah, oh definitely. I, so I think that makes a ton of sense for the Lakers. Yeah. I truly do. Like, And I actually, somebody, a co-worker who's a big LeBron uh, stan like yourself uh-huh. was was uh, hankering for Spencer Dinwiddie. Because they do, like you said, they need ball handlers. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so here is my concern. I mean, that is an interesting trade, to be sure. My concern um with Kuzma is that I'm not totally sure he's a he's a stretch uh, for I mean right now he's, he's shooting 36 percent which is good his career is around like 34 percent so that's more stretchy than any other oh, four yeah. we've ever had <laughs> but it, but we just have this I, I worry that I often look at any power forward and I'm just like that's incredible 
What a player. Oh, yeah. 11 points a game? That's that's just... Well, last year we were like, oh, my God, Julius Randle, he shoots whatever from three. He's great. We need him. We want him. We right. have to have him now. Right. You know, we, I mean, we... But that's... I mean, this is born <laughs> out of yeah. the dearth of a credible stretch four ever being on this team. Like, yeah. we will take anything that you could squint and call a stretch four. I yeah. mean, we played... Uh, um, who was that 6'5 guy from last season? Oh. Uh, Travion Graham. Travion Graham, yes. <laughs> Power forward. Oh, yeah. And he couldn't stretch either. He Ton of minutes. Shoot. He was horrible. He was really, really he bad. He was horrible. All right. Um, to keep this under three and a half hours, uh-huh. why don't you go for your, your trade? Okay. Trade. So I have four. How many did you have? I have three. Great, great, great. Um, so sorry. I had it pulled up and then. Okay, here we go. My first trade, Bill, is the Nets give up. Yeah. Joe Harris. You're fine with that, but I'm you're fine. not going to like this one. Jared Allen. So sorry. That's another guy we're going to have to pay in a bit. Uh, in a bit? Yeah, in a couple of years. Uh, this year and by the end of next year, we'll have to pay him. Uh, some, <laughs> yeah, a couple of years. Well, half of it. This year's basically right, gone. Right. This one's over. This one's in the tank. Everyone everyone who anyone thinks that it doesn't matter if we have Kyrie Irving, so we'll basically be a 10th best team in the East. Uh, and you know who we get, Bill? Who? You're not going to like this. Oh, De- God. DeAndre Ayton, um, who is this? This this falls under the sell high, buy low category. DeAndre Ayton, I have How not did that heard work in the trade machine. Um, oh, because he makes I guess a shitload he, of money. Because yeah, right, exactly. so he makes like eight million a year. Right? Um, <clears throat> even more. Yeah. Um, he, if you've ever listened to any pundit show that you listen to, you've never heard a kind word about DeAndre Ayton. He is despised by the commentariat. He but really is, yeah. He is one year removed from being the number one pick, and he's not a Markel Fultz out here. He, no, he, he had averaged a double-double in his rookie season. Yes, he's averaging 18 points now. Um, he is a great rebounder, um, and at least coming out of college, people thought he might be able to stretch the floor. He has not shown an ability to do that at the professional level. But I just think, like, if, again, I don't want to lose either Jared Allen or Joe Harris, okay? It's not my money. But, um, and, again, folks should understand that if, if we if we don't sign Joe Harris, it's not like we get another, like, $16 million to play with. We, we'd have no money to play with. We, right. We'll have to replace that person with a vet minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> So it's not our money. I think as fans, it it would be nice to be able to keep keep our you know players intact, if for no other reason than to be able to trade them for a star or just keep them. Anyway, whatever. But I'm saying if you're not, if you are, if Josiah is like, I don't see any way we can keep both of these players. A DeAndre Ayton who was signed through this year and two other years um, is a pretty tasty, interesting um, player. And for the Suns, they might be like, oh, we need, you know, like they were talking about on that podcast with Zach Lowe and, and ben, uh, Bill Simmons, you know, trashing him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not the right center for that team. And, you know, Jared Allen is an extremely low usage, high efficiency player mm-hmm. who could play defense sort of in the Baines, sort of like a m- much more talented um, Baines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't mind that trade at all. Oh, interesting. Um, I think... 
uh, I'll do my next one, but I think what's developing is a, a strong feeling that Joe Harris is likely to get traded. Mm. If someone big on our team is going to get yes. traded. Uh, my next one is called The Blockbuster. Ooh. We Spencer Dinwiddie is. <laughs> actually, funny you should say it. It's Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and DeAndre Jordan... So we're talking getting close to thirty million going mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. in exchange for Detroit's very own Andre Drummond. Okay. All right. Logic for the Nets. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Drummond is an old school big who can get you a maybe 15 to 20 rebounds per game mm-hmm. gives you about 15 to 20 points per game is pretty good defensively is a huge body we will never get pushed around by bigs in the east like Joel Embiid again mm-hmm. um and we could then have the right to extend him this year and give him a big contract um the law and we need to get off Joe Harris, as we've discussed, mm. uh, because I really cannot see paying him that amount of money next season. And I think sixteen million is a conservative estimate. I think it could go well north of twenty million a year. Yeah, it could I? I again, I just want to for all the listeners out there. I am pro signing Joe Harris. I it is not my money, uh, and it's it, that's the like that's what gets lost in this is just. Joe size money. Right, right, right. Oh, uh, so yeah, no. I I I guess ultimately I I wouldn't care, but I'd much rather have uh, Andre Drummond on the team than any uh-huh, of those uh-huh. three players. What's the Pistons? Uh, the logic uh, for the logic. Pistons, they have a long-term PG problem. Mm. Uh, and you get to replace Drummond with like a Drummond light in DeAndre Jordan, so you'd have that <laughs> light. Oh my <laughs> I mean, god. Super light. This boy, super. this guy can sell water to a dolphin. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's, you know, DeAndre Jordan is good. Or, sorry, I'm sorry. You know how Drummond is one of the best players in the league? This guy's one of the worst. So, but, but, lighter than... So, they get their PG problem solved. They automatically have one of the best shooters in the game. They'll have a serviceable, if you haven't listened to anything we've said about DeAndre Jordan uh-huh. Center. If you have access to then, RPM.com or whatever. Right, ESPN right. slash RPM. And then RPM. you have a great power forward in Blake Griffin, and then you can put Luke Kennard as the <laughs> as the three, and that's a pretty good in the East. That right there is a team that will get you into the playoffs, one hundred percent. Okay, I I have a DeAndre Jordan <laughs> trade coming up that I think is unfathomable. That he is an anvil of a contract. Bill. Oh, you are yeah. right, and that's right. one, two, three, and four years. I did not think that it was uh, when we first signed him. I was dead wrong. Yeah. He is a toxic contract. So the idea that the Pistons give up an a incredible asset and take mm. on DeAndre Jordan's contract. I mean, they are not a very pallet. They are not a very wise front office. I think it's fair to say, but that it would be interesting. And now that's a, there's a real brain drain in Detroit if they, uh, <laughs> if they go for that one. Okay, so mine, but it would be I would be 100 percent up for that trade. Um, okay, my next one is Nets give up Joe Harris, okay, and get 
Jeremy Grant. Long-time <laughs> listeners will know I am a Jeremy Grant fanatic. He is... He scorched us. He's hit five threes when we played him. Yeah, he's he's a good three-point shooter. Um, he is another sell uh, low candidate. Um, his his um, numbers are down pretty much across the board. But last year with Oklahoma City and the year before with Oklahoma City, he was quite a good player. He's a starter. And... Um, a more well-rounded player than Joe Harris, to be sure. A good defensive player. He can play the four. He is a stretch four. Um, he's making $9 million this year. He's making $9 million uh, next year, so cheaper than Joe Harris. And provides um, something that um, the Nets need, which is toughness, uh, interior defense. He can guard on the perimeter. Very versatile. I think um, Kenny Atkinson could use him quite a bit. Um, for the Nuggets, I was looking, and um, first of all, Jeremy Grant comes off the bench for them. He's not a key cog in their team. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, and also their their starting lineup is is pretty low on shooting. Actually, none of their none of their starting guards or small forwards shoot. Um, they all shoot below forty yeah. percent. So they could use some, and if they want to put Joe Harris on the bench, that's fine. I, I'm not in charge of their team, but he could even be, <laughs> he could even come into their starting lineup and and provide the be, by far the best shooting that they have. Right, right, right. They're a uh, a tough nosed defensive squad, though. So I don't know if he fits in with that. But I know they're 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 the, a lot of the talk of trades with them involve Gary Harris. Mm. Um. Who is a guy I wouldn't mind getting on on BK, but he makes way too much money. Um, here, my next trade is called the WTF trade. Okay, uh, it's Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. So Joe and Spencer are turning up in a lot of these. Yeah, Joe Harris for Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, and a pick from Philly. Okay, like a lightly protected first or even a second, I would be okay with. So a lightly protected first is what we demand, or a second. <laughs> or a second. <laughs> you caught me. I don't even care if it's in the first round that I said it needed to be lightly protected in. You can protect the hell off that thing. I'll take. You can correct the. In- you can <laughs> fill it in prote- how you'd like. Protect the entire first round if you like. Just put her in the second. Uh, all right. So logic for the Nets. Our development team can turn Zaire into something. Okay. Apparently what is, is he nothing. doing now? I don't think he's doing anything. Maybe G League? I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about him. I just know he could jump out of the gym. Yeah. Uh, Mike Scott could be a useful role player in a position of need. He could play four uh-huh. uh, and do a little stretch. The pick is a look to the future. And we would not need to overpay Joe Harris next season. Logic for Philly. They desperately... Desperately need shooting. Mm-hmm. I I think Joe Harris has to be an enticing guy for that that team um, because of his shooting, and I couldn't really figure anything else out other than that. I don't think Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, and a pick, uh, especially a second round pick, <laughs> is that exciting a, of a thing to get back. But Zaire Smith was a lottery pick. lottery pick. Yeah, that they that they made when uh, they didn't have a GM. Right. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was high on Zaire Smith. His right. his draft pre-draft write-ups made him seem pretty exciting. Um yeah, I I will say after watching it was one game, but um if there's one team that has a worse bench than even the current incarnation of the Nets, 
It is the Philadelphia 76ers. Their bench is crapola. Oh, yeah. I Although I will say last night um, we were watching the Cleveland-Memphis game, uh-huh. and uh, I challenge you to find <laughs> worse benches than either of those teams' benches. Okay, okay. I had not heard of two-thirds of both of those, <laughs> those guys. Yeah. Um, okay, my last trade, Bill. You're going to like this one. We Nets give up Spencer Dinwiddie. Loving it already. DeAndre Jordan. Uh-huh. And get Aaron Gordon. Now, uh, that sure, works yeah. in the trade machine. I don't think it works in reality, so I think we'd have to sweeten that daddy with a uh, with a probably a first-round pick. Hopefully that's all it would take to sweeten it up. But my logic for the Nets, I think, is pretty obvious. We need a power forward. Uh, Aaron Gordon is We have is long a, loved Aaron Gordon. Yes, exactly. It'd be a, sl- a sell... Uh, sell low opportunity for us to, to buy low. Um, he is his numbers are down. The magic, as we just talked about, are not good. Um, they've tried it. You know they need a point guard very badly, um, and maybe they would be willing to take on that DeAndre Jordan contract. I love it. Another great trade. Uh, I would be so excited for any of these to go down. Honestly. Um, Myla and to get off DeAndre, can you? <laughs> I think that's a lot more picks than we're giving it credit for. <laughs> that is the entire future to get off that guy. Um, this final trade I have titled "I'm Listening." <laughs> it's a straight up one for one trade with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, Spencer Dinwiddie. For Robert Covington. Ooh, very interesting. Logic for the Nets. Covington is locked into a good long-term deal. He's got a four-year deal. Is one of the more elite 3 and D Mm -hmm. guys in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Is currently listed as a four in the trade machine, though that seems... um, yeah, uh, he seems like a Nets four. Right, but he would be a, such <laughs> a good wing to have yeah. with uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I think, looking forward. He is truly locked down defensively and credible uh, as a shooter offensively. Uh, logic for the Wolves, they are desperate for a starting point guard. Uh, and again, Spencer Dinwiddie's stock has never been higher. He just scored 41 points. He is getting all-star buzz. And... Um, I don't know. I I don't know. The contracts, the money works works for those guys. Great. Yeah. I think one thing you might not like about Rocco. I love Rocco. I had him on my fantasy team last year. He was great. Um until he got hurt. Uh-huh. And he is another uh brittle mm-hmm. brittle guy. Right, right, right. Um so that that's that's my only hesitation with him. But but um I like I like Robert covering it a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, on on team hardship exception, <laughs> we'll take them brittle or otherwise. <laughs> um, all right, Simon, did you read the? Huh? There's a new Hulu. I think someone's hacking into my shit. Uh, the really long <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie interview in the New York I, Post. I did. Yes. Main takeaway: people doubted him, which drove him to prove them all wrong. Uh, and he also attributes that to his attitude to the refs in some weird, twisted logic. Right. Everyone doesn't respect him, including the refs. Right. I found uh, Spencer to be as insufferable as I imagined him to be. Um, this is just another example of it. Mm. Uh, but it ended 
Did I mean? Do you have anything you want to say substantively about? Oh, it? just very quickly that um, I loved his comment from Kenny ha- about Kenny Atkinson that he at like one a.m. Kenny will send him a text with like, yeah. oh yeah, you could have made this pocket pass with like at the eight minute mark in the third quarter, like, uh, and Spencer's like, why are you t- telling me this now? Um, so. Uh, yeah, so that that was pretty good. But yes, I I I was I think Spencer is a pretty honest guy, um, and I think he lets his uh, grudges be known, and that his own um, inability to sort of see himself as anything other than a, an incredibly disrespected. Um, underdog comeback kid is um really shapes his entire persona yeah for sure (laughs) um i liked the fluff questions at the end Mm. and i wanted to ask you the fluff questions okay and i want this to be sort of rapid fire okay you good with that uh yes so so i'll ask then you can answer and then i'll give you spencer's answers okay Question: Three dinner guests. Um. <laughs> <sighs> Let's see. Um, alive or dead doesn't uh, say. D- yeah, it doesn't. Okay. Doesn't matter. Um. Boy, that didn't help me. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still can't think of one. <laughs> let alone three. Let's see. Airbud. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Does he get to sit at the human table, or does he have to eat out of a bowl by the side? Air Bud is a wonderful movie. Yeah, no, quite um, good. Okay. Uh, Air Bud. So you have you have three people you've invited so far. <laughs> one is a dog. And the other two don't exist. Uh, AOC. Oh, and, nice. Um, uh, Rep Ilhan Omar. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Air Bud. Right, and everybody. <laughs> For Spencer, it was Barack Obama, yeah. Dr. Sebi, who is an herbalist, is. Okay. and my grandmother. Okay. Favorite actor? Um, Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make the next question hard. Favorite actress? Oh! Ah! <laughs> uh, Natalie Portman. Oh, nice. Uh, his is Will Smith and Scarlett Joe, Scar Joe. Mm. Favorite singer slash entertainer? Oh, um, gotta be Elliot Smith, Bill. <laughs> the pop sensation, Elliot Smith. Uh, his is Drake. Mm. Favorite meal? Oh, favorite meal? Uh, greens over pasta. Greens over pasta. Pasta and greens. <laughs> Weird dude. Uh, (laughs) At least Spencer has a reasonable answer here. It's chicken fried rice. Uh, Your favorite book. I think it will not be the same as Spencer's. (laughs) Unless yours is the Bible. No, it's not the Bible. I have not read that. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with reading it. Uh, The Let's see. My favorite book. I'll say uh, Black Edge. Uh, Your favorite. Favorite book is Black Edge. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. You said don't you, think about it. You need to read more. Uh, yeah, fa- I certainly do. <laughs> favorite Brooklyn things? Um, I think Crown Heights okay. is my favorite neighborhood in the whole city. Yeah. 
I like, um, I don't know. Pizza? Yeah, but pizza's elsewhere. I'm trying to think of Brooklyn-specific things. I I like that it's not as oppressive as Manhattan. It's sort of, it, it has like the... The best parts of Manhattan, without a lot of the the, the crunch and the the um, packed streets. All right, fair. His is Juliana's Pizza. Mm. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yeah, neither have I. All right, this brings us to the biggest question of all, not in the article, Simon. Will Spencer Dinwiddie be an all star? Oh, Bill. Um, I don't think he will. I. Um, one of the things about Spencer's persona. Is that uh, about him being um, perennially disrespected? Is it's kind of true? Yeah. Um, I I don't think I think there's definitely you know a, a kernel or a very large kernel of truth to that. I just don't think that he he has the the name recognition. He's he's a classic candidate for someone who, first of all, he's not a lock. Like his stats, he's not shooting a great percentage from either three or overall. Um, I think his true shooting is probably. Real, pretty good because he shoots a great um, he shoots a lot of free throws and he shoots a good percentage but I think that he's not a lock even if you're just objectively looking at player stats and you don't know whose name they're attached to but secondly just like yeah I, I just don't think he he will make it I think that he has a good case I, 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 I would vote for him um, I just think that beyond his stats he has an incredible plus-minus. Like, the Nets are horrible without him on the court. Um, he he plays well with virtually everyone. Like, has good numbers, even though they're very short, small sample size, with Karras. Has good numbers with Kyrie. Has good numbers with Jarrett. Has amazing numbers with Jarrett. Like, mm-hmm. he just plays well with, like, basically everyone. Yeah, no, I think, I think there's a, a great case to be made for it. But I think there are just too many... Good big name, flashy guards. Who who is by the way? You are an uh, actual NBA follower. Who are like? You want to hear some names? Yes, I of would. other guards. Yeah. Uh, you got your Bradley Beal. Right, he's a lock. Right, yeah. probably. Yeah, lock. Even though they're not hundred percent, he's but, a lock. Yeah, uh, Kimba Walker. Right, definitely lock. Uh-huh. Ben Simmons likely lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Young. Probably going to get a huge number of votes from fans and also has extremely gaudy numbers. Uh, but this is where Spencer, you know, you could start making cases for Spencer. Other guys ahead would be like Jalen Brown having mm. a really huge breakout season. Is he listed as a guard? Yeah, he's a guard. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon having a huge year for Indiana. Uh-huh. Um, Fred Van Vliet. Similarly, having sort of a breakout season in Toronto. But those last four, like after you get past Ben Simmons, you could throw Spencer in that mix. Sure. For sure. But I think that like a a Trey Young or a Boston guy like Brown or um, Brogdon would probably get a little more. Yeah. Right. And I feel like the forwards are probably more stocked, so they'll try to get Brown in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. You ready to go to our mailbag? Yeah. All right, so this mailbag is brought to you by IRL Jay-Z. Yes. So thank you again, uh, listeners. Please send your questions, comments, concerns uh, to maybeanetstime at gmail.com. If you or someone you know and love works at Bud Light Lime... (laughs) 
let them know that we are very much seeking sponsorship. Yes. Um, very reasonable rates of no money yeah, having no, to come to us. Honestly, we'll continue to pay for them just so long as we can officially endorse. We just want <laughs> to know that you're behind us promoting your product. That, to us, is the greatest gift That's anyone it. can That's give. That's all we want. Um, all right. Which net, Simon, would you want to go home with for Christmas? For me, this is Kyrie Irving. I want to see the family dynamics that I suspect. Now, I don't want to blame, you know, parents get blamed for too many things these days. You're but, right. But, um, um, but I'm curious if the way his dynamics working with his family play a role in his seeming inability to accept blame or fault for anything um, and to assume that every criticism is just an attack on a peace-loving, um, basically, Che Guevara. <laughs> uh, except not Che Guevara because he believed in violence. Plus, uh, he would probably bring a pair of sneaks oh, yeah. you know, over for Christmas, which... That would be sick. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I would bring Garrett Temple mm. because Claire thinks he's the hottest net. So you would murder him? And I want to look him in the eyes as he bleeds out in front of me. Uh, no, I don't know. That's I couldn't think of who I wanted to bring home for Christmas. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. Anyway. You've had weeks to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're Santa, Simon. Yes. What are we going to bring as gifts for the Nets? Actual objects, not things like DeAndre Jordan isn't bad at basketball uh-huh. or something like that. Uh-huh. Um I'll start. Okay. I've got two gifts I want to give out. Okay. One, I want to give Theo Pinson a Segway. Okay. Would you like me to explain <laughs> yes, this? Yes, I would. I don't know that much about Segways, but one thing I do know about Segways is that the owner of Segway died riding a Segway. <laughs> <laughs> Which suggests to me that it's a fairly dangerous product. Now, I am not certainly not wishing death upon Theo Pinson, uh-huh. but why not add him to the list of injury row players by getting a little Segway action? I mean, a Segway on the streets of Brooklyn is a, a terrifying proposition. Who are you bringing for Christmas? Kill Gary Kill. Temple. What are you doing for, for giving someone for Christmas? Kill Theo Pinson. Okay. It's not been a good week for me. All right. <laughs> You're up. Okay. Um... I am going to give Jared Allen a houseplant, which I right. think he would, I think I would love, I mean, we know he thinks that's a good gift for others. I suspect he would like it himself. I would love to see his big eyes light up uh, when he sees that houseplant. And I'd give him one of the, I'd ask my dad what the type of plant was that took over my um, house when I was a child uh-huh. and um, get him one of those. <laughs> um, all right. Great, great gift. Thank you. My second one is going to be the, sort of the inverse of what I've been um, talking about, less murderous, the exact opposite, in fact. I'm going to get Spencer Dinwiddie a platinum healthcare package. Okay. Um, because if history has taught us anything, Simon, it's that as soon as someone does well on the nets, mm. they immediately get injured. That is, that um, is so, so true. The injury bug is knock, knock, knocking on Spencer's door, and I want to prevent that with uh, the best healthcare package money can buy. 
That's a great one. Um, I am um, going to uh, get the... Um, I'm going to get Joe Harris a um, gift certificate um, and uh, and uh, to um, God, what is that? Oh, Chuko, uh, because I would love to go. I think that would be up his alley and um, near Barclays Center, and right. uh, uh, I'd, I'd love to go with him just to to chat about. What are their food, food things? You always want to eat food with Joe Harris. That's yeah. been brought up like five oh, times. Oh, really? Yeah, that's fine. And Jarrett's mac and cheese. <laughs> um, all right, shall we move on to the last one? Yes. Uh, and again, thank you for these questions. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, some to do has been made of Kyrie recommending The Alchemist, a book. Um, to other players, and it's there was actually an entire, I think, athletic article about the influence of this book, The Alchemist, in the NBA. Mm. It's like the most widely sort of recommended book by players. It's sort of a, you know, self-helpy, right. you know, you're, you have the power to control your destiny and blah, 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 sort of thing. I think. I've never actually read it. Uh, what books would you recommend... For some of your favorite nets. I have three different recommendations, Simon. Okay. Uh, do you mind if I go first? No. All right. For Spencer, I would buy a book of moral philosophy entitled What Money Can't Buy, The Moral Limits of Markets. Ooh. Uh, it's a very interesting book about the commodification of everything in our world. I know one chapter is all about a burgeoning industry that has sprung up around um, – buying and selling life insurance plans from old people. Um, so, like, you know, if you want a cash advance, someone will buy your life insurance policy off you and give you the cash up front with the expectation that when you die, they will get the payout from that life insurance, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which, you know, clearly incentivizes a person to begin immediately rooting for your death uh, because they own your life insurance and won't get paid until you die. Um, so just sort of the perverse ways that when you allow markets to come into uh, – certain aspects of human beings' lives, uh, it really dehumanizes and even perhaps perversely incentivizes us to um, wish death upon others. Sure. And so I thought this might be a helpful thing for a man who seems hell-bent on turning himself into a financial product. Yeah, interesting. Um, Yeah, we haven't heard much news on that front uh, lately. Um, Okay, so wait, is that all three? No, that's my first oh, one. Oh, that's the first one. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a lot more. So uh, I have three as well. They are all Dave Barry books. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> You're, what, top three authors of all time? Um, I actually don't know that I would find him funny now, but yeah. he's a cla- he's like the, the Kevin Smith of, of books. Right, <laughs> right. Amazing right. as a child, <clears throat> not as amazing now, but... Great, nonetheless. So the first one is uh, Dave Barry turns 40. And that would go to Kyrie Irving, whose shoulders are middle-aged at best. Perfect. Uh, What's your next one? Uh, And then I'll go. The next one is um, (laughs) Dave Barry... uh, 
is not making this up, and it, the cover is very funny. It has he had him, great covers. I it, remember them. Him right. with yeah, like swearing, like as he's about to be like sworn in or something, or or whatever, testify. And behind, you can see behind his back, and he has his fingers crossed, so he is lying. <laughs> um, and I would like to give this actually to the Nets medical staff because I think they are a complete fraud and. They continue to not do the preventative uh, prehab or whatever that right. they so often claim. And when players get hurt, they stay hurt forever. Um, all right. <coughs> Too true. <laughs> uh, for Kitty, I'm going to get him a little book, The Great American Classic, Moby Dick. Oh, wonderful. I don't know if you've ever read Moby Dick. I but... have. I was in Miss Paris. I mean, read. Right. Uh, I was certainly supposed to have read it right. uh, in Miss Paris's class. Right. Uh, they also had the Bible Project in Miss Paris's yeah, class. Yeah, which I read. <laughs> <laughs> Doggy. Oh, that, was, uh, yeah. that, that project spread a, uh, created an under underground uh, cottage industry of academic <laughs> fraud. That, yeah. I I don't know that the person whose Bible project I more or less completely copied (laughs) knew who they had copied it from. Right, exactly. Whoever originally had that assignment must have really (laughs) suffered. Some some 20, 30-odd years prior to us completing it, yeah. So for Kenny, it's Moby Dick. Uh, as you probably remember or know, uh, it largely revolves around a sea captain, Ahab, who is monomaniacally obsessed with the white whale, Moby Dick, um, and ends up in his obsession nearly killing his entire crew. Mm-hmm. Um I think Kenny could learn a lesson in the dark side of monomaniacal obsession. <laughs> uh, maybe would be a cautionary tale that unless he wants all around him uh, to come to ruin, he might want to, you know, take an interest in other things other than um, coaching basketball. <laughs> Not that he should stop coaching, but that right. it should be one of a, a host of things that he does. Right. Um, so my final one is um, Boogers Are My Beat. I knew that was by coming up. I'm going to give that to Jared <coughs> Allen because yeah. I think he would find that a very funny title right. and a very funny book. The title alone would be all he needs to have a nice day. Yeah. Uh, all right. My last book is for Theo Pinson. It is called What Color Is Your Parach- Parachute? A Practical Manual for Job Hunters and Career Changers. Um, I think it could be useful as Theo Pinson transitions from <laughs> playing in the basketball uh, NBA to um, whatever he does after that, which I hope happens <laughs> v soon. Uh, again, thank you for the questions. These yeah, were very, you. very fun and uh, timely with Christmas being but a few days away. Yes. Um, this week, the Nets play the Hawks, the Knicks, the Rockets. It's a light week because of Christmas. Um, those are two really bad teams this week in the Hawks and the Knicks. And a Rockets team who we maybe... We, we did beat. We beat them. And that was with right. Kyrie. Right, right, right. A big win early in the season. They seem to have uh, gotten some momentum, but I think they're a team who definitely get up for certain opponents and maybe don't really care about playing the Nets. I know they beat the Clippers in a big game the other night on Thursday. Uh, how do you think we come out of this this week? 
One and two, Bill. Uh, I think we'll beat the Knicks. I think that we're going to lose tonight. I just feel like the lingering impacts of having seen David Nwaba go down for the season and maybe his entire career, hopefully not, um, are going to be with them. I think they're going to be, speaking of getting up for opponents, I think they're going to feel like, you know, this is a team they've beaten. This is a team that is not good, um, and they can kind of take it easy and... um, you know, we've seen that bite them before. Cynical, but I think we're going to have a our first perfect week of the season. I think we rattle one off against the worthless Hawks. We show the Knicks who really owns New York, uh-huh. and uh, we head over to Houston, or is it here? Um, no, it's away. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we head to Houston, and we... Uh, we give them a whooping. Great. In their, in their home hometown. Um, all right. So we are going to record again in Ugh. about a week. Are you okay? Yeah. You need a Tums? I do. I didn't bring any. Oh, buddy. Oh. Mistakes were made. Uh, all right. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. Where can people find us? You've got to find us on Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, at MaybeNetsTime.com. Please send us uh, your questions um, that we truly appreciate and promise, promise, promise to prominently feature um, at uh, MaybeNetsTime at gmail.com and follow and uh, also subscribe to us on your... um, uh, what is it? Apple Podcasts your and your Stitchers <laughs> in your uh, Player your FMs and Spotify. your Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Get there. Uh, yeah. And rate us. Rate, review. Yeah, give us those five stars. They do help people hear our words. Which so desperately need to be heard by someone. Speaking of which, do you want to say anything about the impeachment as it's... <laughs> I had one. I My brain is such a sieve, Bill, I, but I, I thought um, of something that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. That would have been similarly uh, misplaced. Right. Um, the latest and greatest. So, folks, please know that I am not a Mitch McConnell fan. <laughs> but well, I the thought, man is a great tactician. I thought he brought up a pretty good point, which is like, I don't know how closely people are following this this thing, but the, the thing is, Mitch McConnell has made it clear he's going to like, you know, it's not going to be a... Uh, 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 in fair and impartial uh, trial in the Senate, he's going to do everything he can to coordinate with Trump and make sure that you know there's no chance of Trump being impeached, and it looks as bad for Democrats as possible. So, in response, the Democrats have come together. Schumer and uh, and Pelosi have come together to thwart that by not <laughs> sending the articles of impeachment to the Senate, not sending the articles of impeachment to which, again. I am not a fan of Mitch McConnell. I don't think he is like a brilliant tactician. I don't. He's certainly one of the worst people I have ever, um, you know, been aware of. Right. But he did bring up an interesting and seemingly very true point, which is like, why is it leverage to not send over articles of impeachment? He right. doesn't want to impeach Trump. <laughs> you're you're acting as though like the last thing he wants is, is to, to not, not have, have the to deal with ha- to not do it. Yeah, exactly. That is not what the word lev- like it's such a bizarre conception of leverage that I 
truly do not understand. No, of course, and it's and it and it, it plays perfectly into the narrative of, oh, they're afraid to bring it before us because they know it's such a weak case. Like obviously, they're saying that in bad faith. Yes, um, they have no intention of actually right. looking at any of the evidence. But it's a very easy and simple narrative for people to understand, and the rationale behind not sending it completely plays into their into that narrative. Um, that they are afraid that they don't have a strong enough case. Even, of course, they have myriad reasons why they say they're not doing it, but uh, none of them are <laughs> that convincing. Right. Anyway, but, yeah, it, it, that's, so that's very weird, weird to me. Okay, great. Well, uh, thanks for listening to this Brooklyn Nets podcast. We like, once we go over an hour, we like to delve into... Um, <laughs> Current affairs. I yes, think. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a thing Simon and I really enjoy doing uh, with you, our listeners. Yes. So rate and review that as well. <laughs> uh, if you have any questions about um, Washington, D.C. insider strategies mm-hmm. and tactics, we'd mm-hmm. love to comment on them. Uh, but until then, we're going to go ahead. Yes. See ya uh, next, next time. time. I was tired of my lady. A worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read